It's Monday, October 23rd, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and multiple children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study, and today we are studying our study on the gospel according to Luke, and our staff will be taking the next several months to look at this important gospel. And so we we first said, why are we studying Luke? Well, as a ministry that wants to manifest the gospel, it's important that we look at the life of Christ. And and so it's our prayer that as we study this book, that the life of Christ and his devotion to our Father will literally rub off on us. And, And we hope that we will be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and and enjoy the Holy One as we learn more about Him. And and we we pray that we will come away wanting real and authentic community with Christ, not not religion or just head knowledge. And as a ministry that looks to uh, be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, you know, we read the Great Commission and we know that we've got to share our faith. We've got to go and, and, and tell people about Christ and to go to all nations. But we miss sometimes a part of that Great Commission, which is to teach them all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. And so it's important that we look at the Gospels to see what did Jesus command us? What is it that he said? So that we can be able to then go and command and teach uh, just to, to, to tell children and families and birth families and and adopted families more about the commands of Christ so that they can follow those and live those out in their context, to live those out in their family. And so Luke is a a fairly exhaustive listing of the commandments and teachings of Christ. Uh, It's it's called one of the most beautiful books ever written. The the Gospel of Luke begins by telling us about Jesus' parents, the birth of his cousin John the Baptist, Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem, where Jesus is born in a manger. It's, It's one of the most beautiful places that we see that Christmas story in Luke 2. It tells us the genealogy of Christ through through Mary. It it tells of Jesus' public ministry as he reveals his perfect compassion and forgiveness through stories like the prodigal son, the rich young man and Lazarus, and the good Samaritan. Many believed uh, it's in this love that we see in Christ that surpasses just human limits and that religious leaders are challenged and and, uh, they they ultimately oppose the claims of Christ. So through this gospel, we're going to see Christ followers that understand that that when they challenge human limits, when they challenge human authorities by the love of Christ, that they'll have to count the cost of discipleship. You know, ultimately these enemies seek death to Christ, death on a cross. And so in Luke, we see Jesus betrayed, tried, sentenced, and crucified. But we see the hope that the grave could not hold him, that death could not destroy him, and that resurrection assures the continuation of his ministry of seeking and saving the lost. And so Jesus, the Christ, came and seek to save the lost sinners, which we are those sinners. And so therefore, we see this great hope for us as we study the Gospels. And so we look this morning just to the first four verses of Luke chapter 1 as an introduction to this book. 
Luke says in verse one of Luke chapter one, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And, and we also know that Luke wrote uh, another book to Theophilus. He, he wrote the book of Acts. And in verses 1 and 2 of Acts chapter 1 said, In this book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with you all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so we see that, that Luke wrote more of the New Testament even than the Apostle Paul. He wrote this, these two volumes, this volume work, Luke and the, the volume of, of Acts to Theophilus, a friend of God is what it means in Greek. Theophilus is friend of God. So he writes this volume to Theophilus. He, he, he takes it upon himself to write down the most exhaustive and comprehensive recording of the life of Christ, coupled with the death, resurrection, and thriving local church by the hand of of the Holy Spirit. And so first you may ask, who is this Theophilus, right? And we may call him Theo. Who is Theo, right? Many have argued that, that this was not a man, but a symbol for all of those to whom Luke was writing. And, and so many have argued that Theophilus, because it means friend of God, was just Luke saying, oh, hey, friends of God, I'm writing this to you. But, but a lot of scholars and, and really those that I agree with believe that, no, this was a man. Theophilus was a man that Luke was writing to. That's why in Luke uh, chapter one, verse three, when he says Theophilus, he says, most excellent. Theophilus. And through else, uh, elsewhere in Luke's writings, we see that he calls people most excellent who are of a high authority or of a high rank. And so many believe, many scholars believe, and, and like I say, I agree that, that Theo was a real person. He was probably a Gentile who had a very important rank in the Roman government. So we know that, that Luke wrote this book for a Gentile. He, he wrote this book for a non-Jewish believer. Many say that Matthew is the book for Jews. Mark is just the, the bare bones essentials of the life of Christ. That John is just such a picture of the parables and the stories and the poetry of the life of Christ. Well, Luke, Luke was a gospel that was written for every tribe, tongue, and nation. It was written to the Gentile, to a Gentile leader. And so when we read this gospel according to Luke, we understand this is the gospel for us, that Jesus came for us. And that's why as we manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children, we realize this gospel is not just for the Jew. This gospel is not just for the elite. This gospel is not just for the religious. This gospel is for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And so as we go and we care for others around the world in, in, in many nations, we take the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. As we care for foster children here at home, it's important that we show the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Because this is a gospel that is for all people. And so Theophilus, even though I believe that this was a man that Luke was writing to, he is an embodiment of what the gospel is for. A Gentile, someone that's outside of Jewish history. <clears throat> but who is Luke? Luke, who is this writer? Luke, well, we see Luke referenced many times throughout the New Testament. And we, we see three different things about Luke that we can learn as we look at the, the New Testament. First in Colossians chapter four, verse 14, right? Uh, Paul says about Luke, he says, Luke, the beloved physician greets you 
as does Demas. So first and foremost, we know that Luke is a physician. And and as a physician, he would have been very meticulous. He would have had a a meticulous form, right? You don't go to a physician for for grandeur or for for, for postulating, right? You go to a physician because you have a specific problem and you want a specific answer. And so through this book, as we look through and on Monday study through the, the gospel according to Luke, we will see a book that is very precise. It's very precise. It's something that we can know the the hope of Christ because Luke was a physician. He was very precise. He was very methodical in the way that he recorded uh, this about Christ. But, But then we see another thing in Philemon verse 23. It says, Epaphras, my dear fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke my fellow workers. So Luke was a fellow worker with Paul in his itinerant ministry. Luke was one of the ones that was planting and and growing and strengthening the church as the church grew outside of Jerusalem and went to the uttermost parts of the world. As we see the the command of Acts 1, 8 lived out to, to go to all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth with this gospel, Luke was right there with Paul. So he was a fellow worker, an itinerant minister. And so as we read the gospel according to Luke, we know he's a physician, he's meticulous, but he was also, he was a worker. He, he was going out. So what he writes about the life of Christ, he's living out in his own life by showing the gospel of Christ. And then the last thing and the last place we see Luke mentioned is another one of Paul's writings, his, his last letter to, to Timothy, 2 Timothy. And, and we see starting in verse 9, he tells Timothy, do your best to come to me soon for Demas in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Huh. Luke alone is with me. Huh. So we see that, that Luke is beloved, right? He's faithful. He sticks with Paul to the very end. Even when Dumas had dropped out and had, had just become so enthralled with the world, so enthralled with the things of this world, that, that Luke is loyal. He's faithful. He's beloved. And so as we read this gospel, as we study the gospel of Luke, let us know, first, he's meticulous as a physician. He is one that believes this gospel so much that he's living his life as an itinerant, in, in an itinerant ministry. And then two, this is a loyal guy, a guy that is beloved, a guy that is faithful. So Luke's unwavering commitment to the apostles' teaching, evidence in Paul's love for his partnership, and Luke's intellectual competence, evidence in his medical profession, fit Luke to undertake the most ambitious task of all other New Testament writers, namely a two-volume work covering the work and teachings of Christ on earth and in the history of the spread of the church in its first 30 years. And so, so Luke is, is, is trying to persuade Theophilus and other Gentiles that the Christian teachings are true. And, and he helps them by, by testing and examining the word of God. And so he writes this volume. These volumes almost help them to test out their faith, to work out their faith right with fear and trembling. We, we see even that Luke uh, gives great praise to the, the, the Jews that were in Berea. In, in Acts 17, verse 10 and 11, it says this. It says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so you almost see that Luke likes the skeptic. 
right? He's truthful that, hey, I like that these, these Jews, they were eager to receive the word of God. Oh, but they also were testing it. They wanted to make sure it was true. And so Luke is, is writing this gospel to us almost in, in saying, oh, test this, Theophilus. Test this, future reader. Test this, inspired by God, book to go forth to other believers to know and examine the claims of Christ so that you can know, not because it's been passed down by a family member, not because it is cultural in your country, but let you know that as you examine the life of Christ, that God in his glory sent Christ Jesus to be a propitiation for our sin, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I, I think that just leads us to, to three things that we can see from the very beginning of Luke that, that Luke stresses about this gospel. First, it's based on thorough and careful research. He says, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So in verse three, we see that the, the, the words that, that, that Luke uses, right? He, he is looking at reliable sources. He's tracing back this word. He's accurately studying the claims of Christ. He's accurately following through to make sure that, that his narrative is in, has integrity. And so from the very beginning, he uses thorough and careful research. But, but number two, we see that it's been validated and vetted by many qualified sources. And so the first verse is, inasmuch as many, as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished in us, right? So we know that Luke used the gospel of Mark as a, as a diving off place. He got information from other direct eyewitnesses. Right? He used the oral and written documentation of the life of Christ. You know, and many people think that the first writings that we have about the life of Christ are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But, but we know that there were other eyewitnesses. There were other people who, under the inspiration, had written down things about the life of Christ. But, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Mark takes all of those written and oral uh, uh, testimonies, and he meticulously sets out this gospel that shows us the beauty of Christ. And so, you know, number one, he he, he bases it on thorough and careful research. Number two, he validates and vets it by many qualified sources. But then three, Luke relied heavily on eyewitnesses. Look again at verse two. It says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. And so Luke is looking for other eyewitnesses. And even in Acts, where chapter one, verses 21 and 22, we, we see when the apostles are looking to replaced Judas, that there were many of those who had seen and heard the teachings of Christ and who had been uh, seen the risen Christ. And so through that, Luke is saying, there's many eyewitnesses that I've talked to, many eyewitnesses that I have vetted. And you know what? He, 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 he wants us to know that this is true. And, and Christ Jesus did the same. If you go back to Acts chapter 1, Right, We see that when Jesus came, uh, verse 3 of Acts 1-3, it says he presented himself alive to them, being the disciples after his suffering, by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Oh, how important is it that we have eyewitnesses? Jesus didn't just conquer death, raise up on Easter Sunday, go high five the disciples who were up in a room and go, okay, peace out, I'm out. 
Y'all have it. You go. Go tell about me. No, he stayed around for 40 days. And with many evidences, he showed himself to eyewitnesses. And so Luke is drawing upon those eyewitnesses so that we can know, we can know that this gospel is true. Oh, what a beautiful gift we have in the gospel according to Luke. And so in closing, I want to just highlight a couple of the places that we're going to see as we study through this book in the next several months. So let's just start with our highlight reel here in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And the coming of Christ says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And then we look at John chapter 3, verse 16, and, or, or Luke chapter 3, verse 16, not John three sixteen. We all may know that one, and we probably don't have this one memorized, but it's equally as important. So John the Baptist answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 18, we know that Jesus goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stands up and he reads from the prophet Isaiah and he says this in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Ah, and then verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, what a beautiful truth that Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Here I am. I have come to proclaim the Lord's message that he is here to redeem. And then his message to us in Luke chapter 9 as his his followers, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23, and he, Jesus, said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the Holy Angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here that will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. If we are going to follow Christ, we must, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. And, And then over and over in the gospel of Luke, Jesus foretells his death. Look at Luke chapter 18. Starting in verse 31, and Jesus taking the 12 aside, he says to them, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and we'd be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus foretells the, the, the death by crucifixion and the, the, the torment that he will go to. And then the book of Luke ends. Oh, in such a beautiful picture. And here's where we see the detail orientation of Luke, that he is not trying to pull one over on us, but he is absolutely giving us the facts. Listen to this. But on the first day, Luke 24, verse 1, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened, and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the 
third day rise, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the mother of James and the other women who were with them, who told these things to the apostles. Oh, verse 11, listen. But these words seemed to them, the apostles, an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. Listen to verse 11. But these words seemed to the apostles an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Oh, Luke, if he was trying to pull something over on us, if he was trying to trick us, if he was trying to just give a a, a tall yarn, he would not have included verse 11. He would have just said they were high-fiving, whooping, and hollering, and they were going into the towns telling all about Christ, but they doubted. Oh, beloved, there are days when you may doubt this gospel, but no, it is true, and it is the source of life. And so may we look right? Not to the legitimacy of men and to their work, but may we look to the power of the gospel, the teachings of our Messiah and the hope of our resurrection, because this word is true and we teach it. And that is the reason that we look at the gospel. That's the reason we look at the life of Christ. And that's the reason that we're studying the book of Luke. Thank you for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the followers. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.